worry. 60% of us worry. And there was a recent survey among pastors that found that there is a growing sense of worry among church members. But what place does worry have in the life of a believer? Welcome to the Bible Studies for Life Adult podcast. This podcast is hosted each week by Chris Johnson and myself, Lynn Pryor. And in today's session, we're going to consider the relationship between faith and worry. So, Chris, I've got to ask, are you a worrier? Well, then, no, I am not. I, I may be a little internally every now and then, but it's not like a constant thing for me. When I hear the statistics, though, that you quoted 60%, I would say that 40% of people are probably not telling the truth. <laughs> uh, I think that worry is a bigger deal um, in people's lives than, than we sometimes want to acknowledge. How about you? No, I am not a worrier. So we're in that 40%. We're, we're the liars. Well, the truth is, and I, I don't, <laughs> I don't mean this in a, in a, a super spiritual sense at all. Uh, I'm just, I'm just somewhere. I'm just easy going about things, but I think that could be detrimental too, uh, because I've taught others about when, when you feel that sense to worry, let that be that little light on your dashboard that tells you it's time to pray. So instead of worrying, let me pray. And so uh, I'm, I'm really kind of easy going, but sometimes that can be, uh, maybe I should look at this issue instead of just, yeah, whatever. I ought to pray about it. So I'm not a worrier, but uh, I should be one who's more, let me use the spiritual phrase. I should show more concern. How's that? <laughs> Well, the focus of our study is on, uh, as has been this whole uh, six weeks, is on faith. And what we want to see today is that faith displaces worry. Joining Chris and I for this conversation is Mike Harder, the uh, pastor at uh, First Baptist Church of Spartanburg, South Carolina. Mike, thank you for joining us for this session. Thanks, Lynn and Chris. Man, it's great to be here with you guys. And I am just really impressed that you have zero fear. Like you're doing the wrong thing. If this book publishing thing doesn't work out, you should maybe like try to, you know, leap over Grand Canyon or something like that. You know. <laughs> so, so you must be in the 60%, Mike. Yeah. Yeah. All the time. <laughs> trembling around here. In fact, I just saw a survey just this morning talking about the stresses on pastors. Uh, Mike, people just in your very position, the very the myriad stresses that hit those in church leadership, uh, which can naturally lead to want to worry about those things. Uh, and so I realize if if pastors or spiritual leaders are prone to worry and stress about those things, that's certainly true of all of us as believers. Yeah, I think a hundred percent of people have things in their life that keep them up at night, and some of those are those are good things. But then there's others that you're you're unable to avoid, whether that's a health issue or it's your job or some kind of conflict. We all go through seasons. And I think anybody who says they don't have things that they worry about is probably just just minimizing them so that they can can seem like they have it together. But you know what they say about people when they say that they're fine, right? Fine means freaked out, insecure, neurotic, and emotional. We're all fine. <laughs> We're all we're all dealing with something. That's funny. That's funny. So last time we were together with you, Mike, you we we had a conversation about uh, uh, WebMD, 
And uh, I was uh, interested that uh, your counterpart who wrote for uh, the personal study guide is Matt Tullis. And he, he led off the study by saying he has a new word in his vocabulary, uh, catastrophizing. He said he picked it up. Uh, his back was feeling a little weird. And he talked, uh, went to M, uh, uh, WebMD and uh, realized that he might have cancer or there might be something else that was killing him. And uh, he talked to a friend about it. And his friend said, you are catastrophizing. And uh, Matt owned it. He just said, well, yeah, that's what I do. And that's what people do. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I mean, I think we all do that. We've all been in a spot where, you know, there's something that happens and we're like, okay, if this goes just a little bit sideways, what's going to happen, you know? And I think one of the things that's so freeing for many people who've gone through cancer or other places is they've, or other major life events is that they've gone through it and they realize, Hey, I'm still okay. Like I've made it through. Um, And so now what, like, how do I live my life when I've found that the worst has happened and I'm still, still standing, you know? And I think there's something really powerful and freeing in that. But for most of us, like our, our subconscious, when we feel anxiety is really just trying to figure things out. It's running in the background and it's trying to think about all the scenarios and how we can navigate it. And even though we may seem like, Hey, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm doing well on the surface deep down, we may be going through, uh, a, a major, um, physical and neurological, um, freak out. I mean, I remember this when I, I changed jobs uh, a couple of years ago, and then I changed jobs again, uh, just recently to take first Baptist. And what I found is that even though I felt fine all the time, I, my my body was keeping score. There's a book about this that says your body keeps score. Like sometimes you can be do, doing well. And then all of a sudden you, you develop, you know, some kind of um, autoimmune disease, or you end up having like hair loss, or you have, you know, premature aging. And it's simply because you aren't made to go through intense seasons of stress for a long period of time. Like nobody's made for that. Uh, and when we go through that, we can start taking um, control of things that we weren't meant to take control of. Some things that only God can take care of. Uh, and so the, a mark of maturity for people is to say, you know what? I can't handle the, the situation. I can't control the situation. I can simply control my response. I think that's what Jesus is talking about when he's saying, hey, listen, you can't worry about everything tomorrow. Um, worry about what you can worry about, which is how you're going to walk through it and how you're going to trust God with the present moment. That is a great introduction to Jesus's teaching that we're going to look at, which is in Luke chapter 12. Um, and as I read this passage, <laughs> what I love about this passage is we don't need to give it a lot of commentary or explanation to understand what Jesus is saying. It just, it's right out there. It's, it's clear. I'm going to uh, Luke 12. Let me begin in verse 22. Then he said to his disciples, therefore, I tell you, don't worry about your life, what you will eat or about the body, what you will wear for life is more than food and the body more than clothing. Consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They don't have a storeroom or a barn yet. God feeds them. Aren't you worth more than the birds? Can any of you add one moment to his life span by worrying? If then you're not able to do even a little thing, why worry about the rest? Let's chase this thought some more that why is it that people tend to worry? Why are we prone to worry? We're really prone to worry because deep down we have 
two great fears. The first fear is that God doesn't care and he's not really good, which is the first lie that Satan told uh, Adam and Eve. He said, did God really say that? Like, can you really trust God? And I think within every single one of us, there's a desire to, to, to figure that out so we don't have to really put God in a place where if he doesn't come through, then nothing else will. So I think for many of us, it's a faith issue uh, on a heart level. And the second reason I think many of us struggle with, with worry is because we've been let down so many times by people that we thought we could trust, whether that's our parents uh, or our or a pastor or somebody that we love that we were in a relationship with. And so we have a addiction, a raging addiction for control because we don't want to get hurt again. And it ties to every aspect of our life. And if we're not careful, we'll feed that addiction to the point where um, we um, are owned by it. And so I think Jesus is really speaking about freedom. He's saying, listen, you can only handle what you can handle. And maturity is saying things that I can't handle, I got to trust the Lord with it. Mike, I think that word you use, control, really nails it for me. Uh, you know, he's talking about, you know, worried about eating, your food, clothing. I don't worry about food because I know that I have in my pantry, uh, I've got food to last me for a while. Uh, so there's a sense of control. I don't have to worry about that. It's it's controlled because it's, it's right there in front of me. Uh, I can go to the store and buy what I need. Uh, it's... And so we struggle with those things we can't control. It's out of our hands. It's someone else's responsibility. Or it's that that medical thing, the cancer or something comes up. I can't control it. I can't manipulate it. When I can't manipulate, I worry. That's that's our, our human nature. Yeah, but that's like on that's on everyday life, which I think is really important, you know. But I think this gets manifested like writ large sometimes when we when we see big events start happening. I mean how many of us remember runs at Costco or Walmart for toilet paper during COVID, right? Of all things, toilet paper, people are like, we're going to run out and we're not going to have any. You know? <laughs> so people like started trading it like currency. It was like, you know, a massive run on toilet paper because why we worry, like we, we deep down worry. And the same time, same thing happens um, whenever, our ability to control our life uh, is threatened. And so, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll say things we never thought we would say. We undermine leaders. We, we try to like gain alliances. Why? Because we want to make sure that we're not going to be uh, cut out or lose power or lose control. And these are the things we really worry about. So in this passage, Jesus invites us to, by going to nature, uh, invites us to consider the birds of the sky. I was impressed by what Matt Tullis wrote in the personal study guide. Uh, so much so that after I read it, I laughed out loud and went and told my wife, uh, listen to what he had to say. Uh, when we start worrying, Jesus suggests that we take a moment and go outside and spend a little time looking at the birds. Birds do not have retirement investments. They don't have support groups to help them rehash their emotions and support each other with their fears of squirrels, dogs, and the safety concerns of power lines. They don't do hardly anything that we do. The one thing they get to do is fly. They're not worried about a worm shortage. They aren't hovering around their children wondering if their kids will get their wings and grow up and raise their own fine feathered families. 
They're doing fine. Thank you. (laughs) I thought that was fabulous. Here's why we don't need to worry. Jesus said this in verse 27. He said, consider how the wildflowers grow. They don't labor or spin thread. Yet I tell you, not even Solomon in all his splendor was adorned like one of these. If that's how God clothes the grass, which is in the field today and is thrown into the furnace tomorrow, how much more will he do for you, you of little faith? Don't strive for what you should eat and what you should drink, and don't be anxious. For the Gentile world eagerly seeks all these things, and your Father knows that you need them. So again, Jesus uses nature. says, a thousand years ago, uh, Solomon uh, was uh, compared to uh, the flowers of the fields, uh, paled in comparison. Now, 2,000 years from Jesus' statement, flowers are still beautiful, and they don't do anything. They just, they just grow and develop just as God intended for them to do. So it's a great image for us to consider. I mean, seriously, have you seen some of these flowers? They're amazing. <laughs> it's, they just, are. it's just uh, a great reminder that God doesn't even have to try his, his, any flexes, you know? Um, and a lot of us are trying to figure out ways to to match that or create it or strive to get control. But I, I'm i amazed at the way that God just clothes creation. And he does it without even seeming to, to have to try. And we try that as much as we can. And the things that we create just fade so quickly, you know? Yet the call for us then is we should let our focus, our single focus, just be on serving him enjoying him, trusting him. And again, Jesus helps us to go, listen, God knows. He knows what you need before you even ask. And uh, that's a good reminder for us. And Chris, not only that God knows, he will take care of us. He will provide. Verse 31, seek his kingdom and these things will be provided for you. Don't be afraid, little flock, because your father delights to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions, give to the poor, make money bags for yourselves that won't grow old, an inexhaustible treasure in heaven where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. God takes care of us just as we seek his kingdom. Yeah, but I think some of that's tied deeply within our own fear about um, God's goodness and the way that we see him as a father and our own understanding about our earthly fathers. You know, many of us had fathers that were too married to their work to be emotionally available or, you know, were only providers but didn't provide much beyond that or were people that that left our our mom um, and seemed really distant and somebody you couldn't put your trust in. You know, God's a very different kind of father than those. But our own baggage often keeps us from trusting that God will care for us because we have not seen it. And in those moments, uh, I think it's good to remember that God is the the best version of the father that we've been longing for. And I'm a dad. I, I love my kids. And I, I love, I love giving them things sometimes that they, that they don't even know that they need. And also sometimes I like giving them things that they ask for. <laughs> Even when my wife gives me the stink eye because I'm giving them ice cream again. Because I'm like, it's good. Like, 
you should, like, this is me being a good parent at this moment. I know it's like the dentist is not a, approving, but I want to drill down deep within your heart that I'm the kind of father that will like give you not just things that you need, but things that you want. And, uh, and that I take great joy in, in, in seeing you, um, enjoy the things that I give you. I think me miss that with God. Sometimes we just only see him as giving us like a good pair of serviceable shoes and maybe like paying for some, some bills, but God does want us to enjoy him and he enjoys us. And that's a radical concept. So when we have that kind of faith in a, in a, in a perfect father like that, it should displace any sense of worry in our lives. I remember having conversations with my teenage sons um, and telling them, listen, I, I want to say yes to you. <laughs> I, I want you to enjoy life. I want you to, uh, to have fun. So, so help me get to yes. And uh, that was a funny conversation uh, to have with them. As you close out your Bible study groups, as, as y'all wrap things up, uh, think about what are you going to do with this, uh, this passage? How are you going to live it out in your life this week? Uh, look at that live it out page that's uh, in your daily discipleship guide, uh, in your personal study guide. There's some application, practical ways to consider how I can live a life where faith displaces worry. Some great suggestions there for you. Mike, Chris, thank you for a good conversation today about faith uh, displacing worry. We appreciate you, Mike. Thanks for writing. And we thank you who are listening to our podcast. We appreciate you taking the time. Hope this has been beneficial to you and look forward to, to being with you next week. 